Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. Today we start a, a new sermon series, a four-part sermon series on giving, in particular, give with a question mark. We want to answer the questions, good questions that we would have about giving. Why, do we, why are we supposed to give? How do we give? How much are we supposed to give? For a new sound system. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but when we start talking about giving, it may very well stir around the room here all different kinds of emotions here. Depending on what your background is, right? How you grew up, you know, and, and what you saw modeled in front of you, what you experienced in the area of money in your life. And um, I, I grew up in a church where they took pledges. You know, they would come to the budget in the beginning, they'd go around all members and you'd fill out a pledge card. Here's what I'm going to give. And, and they would remind you of that every so often and let you know how you were doing. Okay, I mean, you remember this church, you made a commitment and that's how they did it. Um, then I'm friends with a man, an elderly man that I, that I see on some uh, what a regular basis. And he's a member of a church where you pay an annual membership fee. And then they do give some money beyond that, but you know, he figures that pretty well covers it. He paid his dues. Uh, and, and so, depending on what your background is, giving might you know, impact you in different ways. Now, it may be that you, know, you could be, I haven't seen everybody who's here today yet, we might have a guest with us today, or maybe you're fairly new to the church, and, and you've had this feeling that all they want is what? My money. And so sure enough, here you are today. And the pastor's talking about that. Well, just so you know, uh, usually about once a year, we take three or four weeks and look and see what God has to say about money. So it isn't an all the time thing here, but I don't apologize for telling you what God has to say about it. But the other thing is this, I really want you to relax about this because it, what the Bible does say, and we'll see this before we're done with the series, is that, that God only wants you to give what you want to give. So relax, okay? But let's, we're going to open up the Word today and see what God has to say. And, and I would say this as well. I want you to think about this. Does God need our money? If, if He wanted something, could He create it out of thin air? Yeah. God doesn't need our money. And so, therefore, anything and everything He's taught us in His Word about our money is for our well-being. We need to hear it. It's good for us. And will be a blessing in our lives when we understand what God says and then align ourselves with it. So as we begin today's sermon on money, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Okay? Father, I do come before you and, and ask you as we open your word today and start talking about this subject, such an important subject in our lives, a big subject in our lives. <coughs> I pray that we'd open our hearts and minds to you to hear what you have to say. I do pray that our hearts would be yielded to you as well, that anything you would speak to us pointedly about in our own lives that we would respond to. And Father, I know that there are many issues here today in people's hearts and lives that aren't about money. 
But I pray, Father, that as we get down to some of the root issues here about money, that those same things would speak to each of us about those other issues in our lives as well. We need to hear from you today. We thank you that you've given us your word. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we want to start off talking about why give, okay? Lots of, you know, things to talk about giving. We want to, why should we give? And I think one of the first things that we find, actually, let me, uh, is this, that at some point in the life of every Christian, money becomes a defining issue. And not just for Christians, for anybody. Because... uh, Money is tied up in everything that we do, isn't it? I mean, you got here today somehow. So there was somebody spent money on a vehicle and made a decision. What kind of car you're driving? There's money issues there. What kind of house you're living in? What kind of clothes you're able to buy? Um, What kind of job you have and what kind of job you wish you had? How much you work? How much you wish you did work or didn't work? I mean, all this stuff is tied up the money is, is wrapped up in that. And, and the Bible's quite clear that money has the potential to be a blessing or a negative. And it warns us about the negatives of money. It talks about it being uh, dirty. Money in itself isn't dirty, but it can become a dirty influence in our lives, a corrupting influence in our lives. Uh, and, and so... Money becomes a defining issue. And the reason it becomes a defining issue is this, that at some point we come face to face with having to make a choice about our money and we recognize that, wait a minute, God should be part of this, right? This is going to affect what I'm doing in my relationship with God or what God wants. It's going to affect that. And at that point, it becomes a defining issue in our lives. And giving is a way of addressing that, as we'll see before we're done today. The second issue is this, that if as a Christian, if you are going to live like a Christian, live the way a Christian ought to live, live faithfully for the Lord, you're going to have to make a decision to put money in its rightful place in your life. You know, there's something about money. We live in a sin-cursed world, and it affects everything, and it affects our, our sense of money. But money always brings with it a temptation to do things with it that maybe we shouldn't do or not do things with it that we should do. And it, it's almost personified in the Bible sometimes, and it's influence in our lives. And so how many lords can we have? It's not a trick question. One. And, and we'll talk more about this, but money would step right up and be the Lord for you if you let it. And so if you're going to live faithfully for the Lord, you have to put it in its rightful place. You see, Jesus talking about a relationship with him and him being our Lord and following him. He says, you know, come and take my yoke upon you. And he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And you'll find rest to your souls. But if you don't put money in its rightful place in your life, you may start to experience that it's the yoke of money that you have now taken on. And the yoke of money is heavy. It is hard. 
and you will have turmoil in your soul. So you got to put money in its rightful place in your life. So what we want to do today is, is uh, go to a parable uh, that Jesus told in the Gospel of Luke to start our, our, our study here. Luke chapter 16. And I believe that's page 1205. Yes, page 1205 in the Bible that's in the pews. And if you don't have a Bible with you today, we encourage you to take that Bible out of the pew and follow along with us. Or maybe you're using a different version and you'd find it easier to follow along out of that Bible. Luke chapter 16. This is a kind of a unique story we're going to see here. It, it isn't necessarily the kind of story you would expect to find Jesus telling. But let's begin here in verse number one of chapter 16. It says, he also said to his disciples, and also he, he just got through talking about the parable of the lost son. You remember the prodigal son? So he continues talking to them now, and he says this. There was a certain rich man who had a steward. So let's just stop right there. Uh, a steward, we would think of as a manager, a manager of his financial affairs. He was a rich man, and he, he hired someone to manage his financial affairs. And, and, and when he hired that man, that man was given the authority to use these finances to accomplish the rich man's goals. He was authorized to pay himself, to pay whatever expenses needed to be, uh, to, to meet with who he needed to meet, to do whatever he needed to do to manage his, the, the rich man's finances, the guy who had hired him. So that's what a steward is. A steward is someone who, who manages what belongs to someone else. Okay? There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. And so the accusation comes to the rich man. He's, he's, not, he's not really taking care of you here. He's taking care of himself. He's, he's not using your money wisely. He's using it selfishly, whatever. We don't know all the specific, specifics of the accusation. But as we read the rest of the story, it's very evident that these accusations were true. All right? So uh, the accusation came that this man was not using the rich man's possessions properly. Verse 2, so he, the rich man, called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. You've lost the privilege of managing my money and the blessings that went along with that. So, we, by the way, when we look at parables, we have to always be careful in parables. Sometimes our tendency to think is that everything represents something. Uh, and some of you may not even know what a parable is. A parable is a story that Jesus would tell that had some symbolism in it to teach something. And that's what he's doing here. But right here in this first two verses, we do find a number of things that do symbolize something. But the point we're going to see is this, that, that your money is a powerful tool that God has entrusted to you to use for his purposes, both in your life and through your life, all right? It's God's money, and he's entrusted it with you. And, and let's just talk about this for just a minute. God has entrusted a whole lot more to you than money, right? He's entrusted to you your whole life. 
He's given you breath. He's given you the opportunity to know him. He's given you the opportunity to serve him. And, and so everything that we have ultimately has been entrusted to us by God. Do, do you agree with that? If you don't agree with that, then it's fine. You can, it's, it's, I encourage you to just get in the Bible and study it and figure out and find out what God has to say about that. But the reality is, is that God has entrusted our entire lives to us. That means that my mind is his. Just as the steward was supposed to use, manage these resources the way the rich man wanted it, so you and I should, should manage our resources the way God wants it to. We have minds, we have bodies, we have time, we have relationships, we have opportunities, on and on the list goes. And we need to understand that this is something that God has entrusted to us to use for his purposes. Now, we get to enjoy it along the way. Um, although the older I get, early in the mornings, the harder it is to enjoy my body. But that's another issue. It's only the older people who are laughing, the rest are going, what, what? But the reality is it's all to be used for his purposes. And so, obviously, all of our money then has been entrusted to us by God as well. Now, you might think, well, wait a minute. No, I went out and earned that paycheck. Well, good. That's a good thing that you did. But who gave you the ability to earn that paycheck? Who gave you the opportunity to have the job? Who enabled you to finish working last week so you got paid? On and on it goes. Ultimately, it all comes from God. If God turns off the spigot, guess what? It's turned off. And so anything that you have has been entrusted to you by God, and you are to use it for his purposes. Well, what are his purposes? Well, we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks, but obviously he expects us to, to take care of our own needs, right? Buy your food, your clothing, have a place to live, uh, f you know, take care of the basic things of life, uh, and, and then serve him with it. And, and serving him with your money doesn't mean that you give it all away, but it means you use it in a way to accomplish what God wants accomplished. And it could be a lot of things. And, and here's the exciting thing to me, or one of the exciting things to me, is that God lets us enjoy it along the way. Because here's this man who's a steward, and he's taking care of his master's business. And, and he can compensate himself and do so well. If he's doing well for his master, he does well for himself. He gets to enjoy, enjoy the benefits of that. Uh, and if you're doing well for your master here, the one he's serving, you know, if you're serving a good person, what do they do for you sometimes? They give you a bonus. Or they say, hey, do this for yourself. Enjoy that. Well, God does the same thing with us when we're being faithful with what he's entrusted to us. All right, so, so we are stewards of our money, everything that God has given to us. We are stewards of it. That means we're supposed to use it for him and his purposes. Uh, and also, you notice here that this steward came into judgment, didn't he? There was a, an accounting for how he used. And that's what had happened. He's getting called into account. And you and I will give an account for how we've used what God has entrusted to us. We will. There'll be a day. If we receive Christ as Savior, uh, we're not standing in judgment about heaven or hell. We see Christ as uh, Savior, we stand in judgment on how did you do with what I entrusted to you. Not just your money, but your whole life, but it's going to include your money. 
And so we will stand in judgment before God on how we did with the resources that he entrusted to us. So let's continue to read. And this is where the story gets interesting. Like I said, not necessarily what you would expect. Then the steward said within himself, so he's realized I'm losing my job. I haven't been faithful here. I'm losing my job. What shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. Maybe he was older and wasn't able to do the hard physical labor. I am ashamed to beg. And then he has an idea. He says, I have resolved what to do. That when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. Who's they? Well, here he tells us. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. We're going we're gonna to adjust your bill. Now you only owe half of what you owed a minute ago. Okay? Now, this man is still the steward at this point. He's getting called, and his steward's getting called into account. He knows he's going to lose it, but he's still the steward. He still has the authority to do this. He was always able to negotiate on his master's behalf. But now we see him doing it to take care of himself here. So a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill and sit down and quickly write 50. That's two months worth of wages in this day that he just forgave them. Anybody here like to get two months worth of wages just kind of handed to you? That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Well, it gets better than that. Verse 7, then he said to another, and how much do you owe? So he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80, 20%. But here's the deal. That 20% is equivalent of two years' wages that he just forgave somebody. And he did this with all of his master's debtors. Not just these two, because what does it say? We've, we, he called every one of his debtors to him. And then he, he tells, for this one he did this, and this one he did this. And he doesn't tell us what he did for all the rest. But what is he doing? He's making friends, isn't he? He's, he? Now, is this the right thing for him to do? If he's going to be a faithful steward, it's not the right thing to do. He isn't taking care of his master. He's taking care of himself. It's really a continued reflection of that. But, but there's something here that Jesus sees that he's going to point out to us here that's worth understanding. Verse number 8. So the master, the rich man, commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. Now, let's just stop right there. The master said, wow, you were pretty sharp here. So when the accounting came and the books were there and he sees what the man has done, he commends him because he did what was right? No, but because he did something that was very shrewd. And here's what he did. He recognized that what I do with this money while I have it is going to affect what happens in the future. It's going to affect what I experience in the future. Can you see that? In other words, he became aware that he only had a short time to manage this money now, right? He's getting called into question. He knows he's going to lose it. He has a short time to manage this money. He takes what is rightful his authority and manages it in a way that's going to help him in the future. Now, you guys, some of you are looking kind of puzzled. But do you understand what the rich man was saying? Not good job for me, you didn't do it, but you did a good job for you. But you, you, you realize something here. Well, and this is what Jesus continues here. 
And he says this, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. Okay, so what in the world is Jesus talking about here? Well, what he's saying is this, is that the people who live for the here and now, do you know anybody like that? They only live for the here and now. He says very often they get it, that what they're doing here and now is going to affect what they're going to get and what they're going to receive, and all their decisions are made on that basis. He said, but those of us who aren't living for the here and now seem to have missed that sometimes. I mean, when you go out with your money this week, how often do you think about the way I am using my money now, this decision here to buy or not buy, this decision of what to pay or not pay, save, give, all these decisions, these are going to have eternal results. Now, I think as Christians, when we stop and think about it, we know it's true, don't we? But do you stop and think about it? Is that the basis on which you make your decisions? I mean, I think all of us find ourselves going out there and just, you know, making our decisions and, and not giving thought to that like we should. And this is what Jesus is saying, that those of us who aren't living for the here and now, we are the sons of light. We've been born again. He says, sometimes it doesn't, we don't think about this, that we have this short time to manage. There's going to be an accounting for it. And how we manage it here is going to make a difference in eternity, make a difference in heaven. And so, see, that's the lesson that he wants to get here. And then Jesus says this, and I say to you, make friends to yourselves by unrighteous mammon. This is, in other words, money, this, this physical, temporary money. Make friends by it, that when you fail, when your life comes to an end, they may receive you into an everlasting home. All right, so what's he talking about now? Well, it's the same principle. The, this unjust steward because of the way he managed the money, made it so that when he walked into someone's house in the future, they would be what? Happy to see him. Well, Jesus tells us that we need to, with this short time we have, and the, the resources given, we need to manage this in such a way that when we step from here into heaven, we have friends in heaven because of what we've done. God himself pleased with what we've done. Others who could come to you and say, you know, because you did this, it might be giving, it might be sharing, it might be investing, it might be whatever, but because you did this, God did this in my life. You will see people, I believe, from other places, parts of the world, will come and say, you know, you gave to missions, and I... And I I've, since I've been in heaven, I've learned that that was a real hard sacrifice for you. But I want you to know I'm saved because you're here, because you gave. You see, so this is what the, the, the lesson that Jesus is trying to get us to see here. That, that we are stewards. That God has entrusted to us all of our resources, including our money. We have a short time to manage it. There's going to be a judgment of it. And so we need to manage our money now with an eye to eternity. We need to be pondering, what am I doing now and how is that going to affect eternal things? Because there are eternal ripples. All right, so let's continue the story. And actually, the story's really over and Jesus begins to apply it now. In verse number 10, he says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. 
Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, if you haven't been faithful with the money that God has entrusted to you in this life, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Wow. There must be something better than money. Right? He says, if you aren't faithful in the, the physical things here, the material things, your money things, he says, how can you be entrusted with greater things? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? And so the idea, again, recognizing that we're a steward, but one day, if we are faithful stewards, then it seems as if God is somehow rather going to give us something that is ours. What is it? I don't know. <laughs> but there's something. Something better than money. Something that will be of special, special value to us. And it, it hinges on whether or not we're faithful with it down here. Verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Love and hate. What do you love? You can't love both God and your money. You can't. You can try. Anybody here in, in here besides me today would say, I would, and I guess I would use the word, I'd love to have more money. Yeah, I would. But I got to make a choice. And it's a choice I have made, and it's a choice I have to remind myself that I have made that I will serve God, I will not serve money. I'm going to serve God. You have to choose. And, and it's a love choice. Verse 14 Now the Pharisees, the, they were listening in, who were lovers of money, also heard all these things and they derided him. It's like the. Right. What do you know what you're talking about? And he, Jesus, said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Uh, just real quick, I want you to see something here. Jesus tells us that the way human beings naturally see money is not the same way God does. And God's ways are right. Okay, we're going to continue challenging ourselves with that in the weeks to come. But what, the other thing he said is this. He says, God knows your what? Your heart. You're going to love the master that you choose to serve. God knows your heart. You see, this whole stewardship issue is ultimately not a money issue. It's a heart issue. And so, so just as we said, money's a powerful tool entrusted to you by God to use for his purposes in your life and through your life. This is also true, okay? That, go to the next slide there if you would. How you use it will reveal what's really in your heart. So if you could sit back and, and with someone in common, let them see how do you use your money? How do you use all of it? And there was a way to account for all of it. And, and your motives in doing that you would have a really good picture of what's going on in your heart. What it is that you really love. What's most important to you.
that's going to show up there. Now, it's an interesting thing that the Bible, in the Bible, God communicates to us that there is a special, some kind of special connection between our money and our hearts. There's a connection there. And so when our hearts are right, when our hearts are right before God, what do we do with our money? We, we try our best to use our money the way God wants us to use it. But when we try to use, we use our money the, the, uh, the best we know how to use it the way God wants us to, do you know what it does? It comes back and encourages our hearts. And then our encouraged heart wants to use the money right. And when we use the money the way God wants for his purpose, it comes back and encourages our heart. And we get this upward spiral going. But now, if the condition of our hearts is not right before God, if God isn't first, if we're loving something else besides him or before him, then how does that affect our use of money? It affects it negatively. We don't use it the way he wants it to. We're trying to get it to do other things for us. Maybe we're trying to get our significance from our money instead of from God. Maybe we're trying to find our security in our money instead of God. But, so it, we make bad choices. And those bad choices come back and, and discourage our hearts and, and our negative influences in our hearts, which then lead us to make bad choices. We have this downward spiral. Now, if you're wondering, you know, is that, is that really true? In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus said, he says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Well, which came first, the chicken or the egg? By the way, I know the answer to that question. Ask me afterwards, I'll tell you. When it comes to this, this verse, when he's talking about, so the condition of our hearts will determine where we put our treasure, okay? It reveals our hearts, but there's something else to it. Where do you want your heart to be? Put your treasure there. You see how that works both ways? One way, it reveals what's in your heart, and so you put your treasures there. And the other way, you say, I want my treasures to be there, and my heart is there. But, you know, I'm going to put my treasures there because I want my heart to be there. There's this special interaction between your heart and what you do with money. And so, uh, how you use your money then? Two different things. How you use your money. First of all, it's a powerful expression of your heart. Okay, once again, we can look at how you do your money. It's an expression of your heart. But how you use your money also makes a powerful impression on your heart. Do you understand what I'm saying? Or not? Really? It's okay if you don't. I'll just try to clear it up. So, we can make choices about our money that are going to help change our hearts. That's what I want you to see. And this is where giving comes in. Okay? So, so we say, where do I, what condition is my heart in? Where do I want my heart? What condition do I want it to be in? How do I want? I'm going to give. I'm going to give away some money to God because that's where I want my heart to be. 
Now, some of you here, your heart's already there. So, where are you giving your money? I know what you're doing. But if you aren't, giving has a way of focusing us in life. Giving, and so this why give, this is why I give. First reason is because it's going to pull your heart more tightly into the Lord as you give. It's going to be an expression of your heart, but it's also going to make an impression on your heart. And so you can make, this is why giving is one of those choices, conscious decisions you can make that will affect your relationship with God. Not whether or not you have one, but what you experience in it. It's pretty simple. Not necessarily easy, but pretty simple. So my challenge to you today is this. First of all, if your heart is already, you know, I love God. I, I'm doing my best to keep money in its rightful place and use it. Good. You know, keep doing that. And, but remember, let your giving continue to focus you. And if you're here today and you say, well, I don't know about this thing, you know, this giving and all that. What I want you to do is this. I just want you to have a conversation with God today, tomorrow, this week. As you go... Okay, God, if what I'm hearing says that if I will choose to give, that you're going to work in my heart. Is that really true, God? Talk with him about it. Open yourself up to him. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you gave to us when you sent your son. I pray, Father, we can understand these truths that we've looked at today. That we, we will want to be faithful with what you've entrusted us. That we'll remember that there is a coming judgment of how we've done with these things. And so that we need to use our resources, our money, to, with an eternal perspective. And then I pray, Father, as well, that you'd help us to see the condition of our own hearts based on what we're doing with all these things. And I pray that you would, would stir in our hearts a desire to be what you want us to be and to do what you want us to do and to have the money you've entrusted to us accomplish your purposes. Help us then, Father, to see how giving is such an essential part of bringing that about that we'll understand the money-heart connection because we want to honor you with what we do in our lives and with the condition of our hearts. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.